Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hello there, my very good friends. Bet you didn't expect to hear this horrible voice opening a podcast, did you? Uh, I'm Andy Murray. Joining me in the studio today, Michael Sidgwick. Say hello, Michael Sidgwick. Hello. There he is. Uh, we're going to do one of them Q&A things because, you know, we, we, we love doing these. Um, it's just really difficult sometimes to fit it into the schedule. And, you know, we do the little Q&As at the end of the news videos every day. But the thing about those is that we can only do three questions. Otherwise, it'd be an hour-long video. So every now and then... Because we love the engagement, because we appreciate you guys uh, and all the just the great ideas and questions and feedback that you constantly send us. We like to dribble one of these out there. So what I did today, I put a little thread out there. I've taken 10 questions from that. I think there were something like 40 in about an hour. So that's really good. Thanks, guys. Appreciate that. But remember, before we dive into this thing, you can uh, listen to all of our great stuff across all kinds of platforms, Spotify, Apple, your local news agent, wherever you get your podcast from, we do... Uh, <laughs> Raw, SmackDown, NXT 2.0, AEW Dynamite, this is Rampage, baby, pay-per-views, premium live events, uh, we host roundtable discussions, uh, we have uh, wrestling interviews on occasion, we also host a uh, roundup of the week complete with a bloody good quiz, of course, on wrestle culture, and an infrequent addition to the schedule, as Murray points out, is this very Q&A podcast, because we get loads of questions um, throughout the week about various goings on. We have limited time in our personal lives to try and engage with all of you. So we'll try and just do a sample to show our appreciation. Indeed, I'll never do another introduction again. Uh, right, we're going to, like I said, this is from a thread that I put out about an hour ago, so it wasn't much time, but I picked 10 of them. Tried to go for a broad spectrum of comments. I don't want to just do 10 questions about CM Punk. So for a bit of variety, uh, we have picked a bunch of them. Um, so the first one comes from Steve, uh, at only one Steve D. Thank you, Steve, who asks, who do you think leaves Clash at the Castle with the Universal title? Uh, also, will you guys be in Cardiff for the weekend? I thought this was a nice chance for us to plug our stuff. Yes. What, <laughs> what is the new name for the show? That has not been decided yet. So we we are doing a live show on the Saturday. We will be there and we'll be at the, the Clash all of that so if you see us come and say hello come and hang out it'll be nice um give us a high five give us a fist bump whatever you're into we're doing a show on the saturday night at a pub just before uh, clash at the castle uh that we've had to change the name of for reasons i'm not sure i'm allowed to disclose um but we've had to change the name. it's sold out anyway it's kind of pointless me, me hyping that one but the night before Clash, if you're looking for something to do on the Friday night and you're in Newport or can get to Newport, we are doing a show at Sin City Comics and Games. Uh, tickets are still on sale, £5 a head. Uh, all proceeds go to Down Syndrome Northeast, uh, which is the same charity that Michael Hamflet is raising funds for uh, for his participation in the Great North Run uh, that same month. So if you want to come to that, it'll be a bit more stripped back, I think, a bit more low-key. We have, I think we're at about 40% capacity. We've sold about 60% of those tickets so far. So if you want to get in, getting quickly the information's on their website uh they're on twitter and everything else easy to find but yes we will be in cardiff that answers that come and say hello uh what do you reckon who's leaving with the universal brock drew theory or carrying cross oh right okay here's what i think is going to happen i don't think that they are going to they've been heavily promoting the sheer length of this roman reigns title run 
either of whether it's just Universal or the WWE uh, for absolutely ages at this point. I don't think, therefore, that the money is in any match involving Roman Reigns at WrestleMania 39, uh, whether it's The Rock or anybody else, um, without that number. That number is huge. It should be an absolute moment uh, when it eventually um, gets taken away from Roman Reigns. Now that Triple H is here, you know, even if you think his television is still a little bit boring, he will nonetheless make someone or try to make someone and not give up after three weeks. We saw how much he persisted with Karrion Cross. So I don't think they're going to do a um, hometown feel-good temporary title switch just to make a stadium of Welsh and English and Scottish fans and Irish fans or whatever happy. Which begs the question, why are they even doing Roman versus Drew if they are just going to do the one night only 97 finish and not the Summer 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 Slam 92 finish? Here's the way it's going to go, and following that very quickly, here's the way they should have done it. I think that with the addition of Karrion Cross, Karrion Cross is going to interfere, cost Drew the match, leading to Drew versus Cross later in the year, and Drew giving. Carrying Cross a Claymore in revenge is going to be the big moment. I don't think it's a big moment at all, but that's what they think is going to be a big moment. It's going to be their carny way of sending the crowd home happy, which mm. it's really house show fair. That's what they kind of do when there's a heel chant on the house show. But regardless, what they should have done is not put Drew in this match at all. And what they should have done is established him in a real grudge rivalry against a mid-card heel that they are more than happy to beat, but, you know, good and profiled enough that um, would sell tickets or be of interest for the show and have Drew win that and then have Roman beat kind of whoever, someone not from Scotland, England, Ireland or Wales. Mm, Yeah, I feel like I felt quite certain for a while that they were going to try and uh, recreate, like in a really misguided way, try and recreate SummerSlam 92 and have a Scottish guy go over in his own backyard, as they say, even though his own backyard is literally two countries. Yeah, away. yeah. Um, it's weird. Uh, imagine imagine that if they had Drew dress up in like the Union Jack and stuff. Wow, that would be bizarre. He's a Rangers fan. He is, he is. Um, maybe he could wear a Rangers shirt to the ring. I don't know. Anyway, um, I'm not so certain. I don't think he's going to win anymore. Um, I, I think you're right. I do think they'll try and preserve that Roman Reigns thing for a while. Um, and I think that Theory, with his Money in the Bank briefcase, I think he might have lost it by then because uh, they seem pretty intent on geeking that man out as much as possible. So our second question today comes from some guy called Matt Reigns. I don't know. Uh, hello. Yes, Matt Reigns again. Number one mega fan. You know the routine. I don't know the routine. What is this garbage? Who is this guy? I'm only joking, Matt. We very much appreciate you. He's Apart- a legend. He does. He hates Hamlet as well. It's quite fun. Yeah, that's uh, totally. As a shoot. Uh, so we have Punk back as of last night. Omega back next week. And that leaves one man. When does MJF come back for you guys? The moment has to be just right. He's yeah, right. there's a dark Twitter rumor that um, this whole thing's an elaborate work or has evolved into elaborate work uh, with the idea being that deep into the negotiations with Warner, if in fact there's not a soft agreement in place because I believe WrestleNomics Brandon Thurston thinks it's keyed in and they might even have a minority ownership in AEW at this point already, that being Warner Media. But regardless, even if they've all but said, yeah, yeah, you're going to get an increase and an extension, maybe there's still a bit of room for negotiation of how many zeros are going to be at the end of that deal. So I think people are suggesting that because MGF is such an absolutely incredible quarter-hour draw, the best one homegrown, I think Baker and Derby might be just below him. But regardless, when those negotiations are heating up, that is the time to slap MJF back into the narrative, his already existing drawing power having been fueled by the mystery and the absence and what could he possibly say and what could he possibly do and it's a kind of a new type of adventurous storytelling for AEW. Theoretically, there's loads of intrigue in that. Those numbers will spike and spike and spike and Tony Khan can take them in his meetings with Warner execs and say, look at the numbers we're doing now and mm-hmm. maybe MJF is going to get bag for both himself and for Tony Khan, which would be quite an ironic twist to the story since it started because Khan wouldn't give him one bag. Yeah, there we go. We're going to end up with 200 of them by the sounds of it. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think that 
it's quite clear to me that uh, elements of this have absolutely been worked, right? I don't think the situation was a work when it started. Uh, nobody in this build, nobody within these halls uh, do um, unless Wilborn's gone crackpot crazy with conspiracy theories and stuff. I don't know. Um, but yeah, they've absolutely leveraged elements for pro wrestling drama. Things like MJF just going vanishing from Twitter for two months and stuff like that. A certain verbiage used. Um, so yeah, it's going to be really interesting. I do think this was born of a real situation. I think it's still a real situation. Um, but you know, if I was a speculating man and I am, it's my business. Uh, I think they've probably agreed something already. And I think that uh, I would bring him back uh, sometime, certainly before the end of the year. Uh, maybe just after like Arthur Ashe. That'd be kind of cool. Yeah, it's one of those things where very quickly before we move on, it seemed like a almost a bad idea given how quickly the news cycle sort of um, rotates or whatever. Um, because by the time that MJF, a few weeks removed from the infamous shoot, so much had already happened, so much that I can't even remember, and now so much more has happened with Vince retiring and Triple H. But all the while, the longer he's gone away, maybe the long game is the game to play because lots of people are asking more about MJF where he kind of completely disappeared from the discourse for a while. But now that there was hints that there's going to be big movements of Quake by the lake, his name is resurfing, resurfacing. So there's obviously still loads of interest there. Yeah, absolutely. Um Right. Cole Peevler asks, uh, do you see the Bianca Belair versus Bailey feud leading to a Survivor Series elimination tag match? If so, what should the stakes be? So this is, I think this is quite interesting because it probably ties into some grander conversations about what summer, uh, what Survivor Series is going to look like this year. Uh, T-shirt time sucks. I think we all agree. Maybe this could be a good chance to like make a bigger story. Man, I'm, this is so unprofessional, right? I heard you read out some WWE names, and no joke, I kind of tuned out of what you were saying. <laughs> Could you repeat the question? Yes, I may. Uh, do you see the Bailey slash Bianca Belair feud leading to a Survivor Series elimination match? And if so, <laughs> what should the stakes be? I like uh, this question. I do like this question. I apologize for being rude there. It's not your question. It's the sheer mention of WWE. But hopefully that will improve over the coming weeks and months. Um, I have absolutely no idea. Um, I know that Triple H, booking-wise, is fond of running things back more so than AEW, so I expect that to remain a feature of WWE, hopefully with a more interesting storyline direction rather than just your DQ non-finished trilogy actually ends clean device, which WWE is all too fond of. I don't know if it goes all the way to Survivor Series. Um, There's quite a few months left, nor do I know what they are going to do with Survivor Series itself. Um, but yeah, the the brand warfare stuff is absolutely needing to get into the bin. Mm. I think it will. I think Triple H knows just enough of what the fans want to know that that must be chief among their biggest complaints at this point. I think a few wrestlers themselves have even shot on it in recent years, and Xavier Woods in particular has talked about uh, Royal Rumble ramifications. Um, I don't know if that's going to happen because it kind of gives the game away for numbers. Um, I, I don't know. It's... If you look at the AEW side of things, and I'd like to see Triple H take a little bit of inspiration from it, you can, in fact, come up with storylines for stables. And I think Triple H has got a, a history with presenting stables. He likes them. Um, so, yeah, I don't know the exact players involved or the personnel, but I do think a less brand synergy approach is going to be the one. But you know what? TV networks have way more... Uh, sway over wrestling promotions than we'd like to admit. Maybe USA and Fox loves this kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Maybe they do. Seeing their logos and stuff, their colors on TV. Um, it's kind of cross-promotion as well Yeah, for each uh, show. If they're mentioning Fox on USA and vice versa, like you're not going to give up any free commercial space yeah. anywhere. So maybe it could be a network demand and we're all kind of like fan casting and much better Survivor Series when it's not a reality in the rights for era. We're all screaming into the abyss. Yeah, um, It would be quite a, a triumph of booking if they're able to get this feud that far down the line three months away and it still feels hot and relevant. Um, I would love to see them do that. I would love to have that vote of faith in this new regime. Uh, and the personnel certainly at the moment are, is very exciting across the boards. Um, if you were to do a traditional Survivor Series match between uh, a Bianca-led side and Bailey and her crew and maybe one or two more, I would be very much into that and I think it'd be awesome. Yeah, and there's if the rumours of Sasha and Naomi returning are, if there's anything to them, 
they could tell a really nice story about where Bailey and Sasha are at this stage of their kind of uh, symbiotic relationship, mm. and you could sort of tease an alignment or a split or like red herrings or like sort of subterfuge. There's loads they could do if Sasha returns um, in particular. Yeah, plenty of options across the board. Uh, our next question comes from Daniel, at Metal Daniel one This is interesting. Daniel's looking to learn here. I love questions like this uh, very much. I'm not a huge fan of tag wrestling at all, but I'm trying to change that. What are the top four... We'll just take four randomly. Uh, WWE slash AEW tag matches you recommend that I watch to get a good feel of how good tag wrestling can be. Um, it, that's a pretty broad topic, of course. Um, I feel like I'm stealing this from you a little bit because it's an answer you've used before when saying, hey, what matches would you choose to show new fans? But I really feel like... like psychologically, right, the Ronda Rousey debut match is a really good tag match. Yes. So it's it, it's a really easily digestible way to kind of understand how, like, a, a traditional tag is supposed to work, not necessarily in terms of, like, the moves executed and stuff, but it's a game of uh, delayed gratification. It's a game of the heels, and Stephanie was particularly wonderful in her role, um, delaying the big pop as long as possible until you eventually deliver it, which is Ronda Rousey, of course, tagging in and kicking everyone's ass. Uh, and from there, you have lots of other different dramatic ebbs and flows, but it's a case of Triple H and Stephanie isolating Kurt Angle and then exploding from there. I think that that's just, it's just a really well-plotted match. And uh, yeah, I mean, look, it's not the Rock and Roll Express versus the Midnights or whatever, um, but I think for modern palettes, fun way to kind of explore the the... The modern way that a good tag team wrestling match plays out. I'll give two more because we said four, and then you can give the fourth after my two. My two, right. One isn't from neither WWE nor AEW, but it is available to watch on YouTube if you just type in the names involved, and it is Danny Crawford and Doug Furness versus yes. Kenta Kobashi and Tsuyoshi Kikuchi. Um, basically, just type in Crawford and Kobashi on uh, YouTube, and it's the first result you'll see. It's an absolutely incredible, incredible match. Think of the most intoxicating pro wrestling atmosphere you've ever watched a match play out in front of. Maybe it's Cena Punk at Money in the Bank. Uh, maybe it's... I don't know, there's been loads of great heated matches over the last however many years. Uh, this is the hottest match I've ever seen in my entire life, and I'm not joking. In terms of the atmosphere, can you think of one off the top of your head that in terms of the real emotion the sustained volume, the spikes and increase when it really feels like the baby mm. faces are getting there. There's nothing um, close. There's nothing close. There's nothing close. This is a match, right, where uh, basically the dynamic is not too dissimilar to the Triple H one, funnily enough, where you've got a vastly large guy by the name of Kenneth Kobashi who's just sort of evolving into like a real sort of like player in the promotion, but he's still... Um, so raw in his development that he can play the underdog, right? And then he's partnered with a much smaller Kikuchi, who is a junior. And they are in Japan at a time when it's just about credible or worth pushing the um, Canadian-American team as like your foreign menace types. Um, because that's how Japanese pro wrestling existed for ages and ages and ages. So they're still default heels, and they are absolutely enormous guys, one of whom's got a better drop kick than Okada and Owen Hart and Bob Holly and everyone he cared to mention. And it's the story of these dickhead bully American heels, right, who are so great, and they are able to, like, do... I don't want to do too many spoilers, but, like, let's just say they nick more than one finish from their more famous compatriots to just make the action cool, and that's bullying this young guy, Kikuchi, who's by far the smallest guy in the match. He's so beloved by this crowd that, I'm not joking, when he launches a barrage of strikes in the faces of the foreign team, this crowd stands up and cheers like a football match derby, last-minute winner. It's And that's one strike. And then when he gets his ass beat... The sympathy is off the charts. And then when Kabashi steps through the ropes to remonstrate with them and do the saves, he's treated as like the chief distributor of justice. Big brother. In a, a garden. It's yeah. just awesome. It's Kikuchi's hometown as well. Yeah, isn't yeah, it? it's Kikuchi's hometown. So they're just so banging. And they are standing ovation 
fist-pumping celebration for Fire Up Spots. It's yeah. the most incredible spectacle I might have ever seen in pro wrestling. Um, and I can't never not go with uh, Young Bucks versus Omega and Page at Revolution. Um, it's one of those where even if you're not familiar with the deep weeds of the law of the elite and um, all the various history and the history they channel from tag teams with other companies and like the subtext between Page and Omega is an all-action affair. It's absolutely sublime. And I would watch it. I would then go, uh, and if you like it, study the elite's history and then watch it again and you'll get 10 times more out of it. There you go. Uh, I'm going to go for a quick one. One that might not be the most obvious, but I think uh, it's a slightly different stipulation. It's two out of three falls tag match. So if you want a different flavor, and it features one of the most remarkable individual performances I've seen in the history of legitimately ever in watching wrestling, and it's uh, it's Luke Harper and Eric Rowan versus the Usos. Oh yes, from Battleground 2017, I think. I'll have to double check. That. I think it's 14. Maybe it's 14. Yeah. It's yeah. quite oh, old. Yeah, yeah, it must be quite old because the Usos have been doing their, their down since day one stuff for ages. Yeah. Um, but but this match is absolutely sensational. Um, it, it, it's Luke Harper's performance primarily. If you want to see how one guy can just completely boss a match and marshal it and control it and keep all the other moving pieces in flow, even when he's outside of the ring, the utilization of Eric Rowan as this kind of bumbling, chaotic weapon that can't really do anything, but because he's got Luke Harper, this genius worker with him, it all adds up. It is 2014. I don't know yeah. where I got 17 from. Uh, it definitely wasn't that, but those are some hot recommendations. You know what? Only the year that Usos were good. Oh! <laughs> Actually, I think you'll find, sir, they're better than the Young Bucks. Uh, right. I don't believe that, but uh, next one. Uh, Shut up! I'm tired. Is the is the screen name? Uh, the at is at Kyron Latham asks, which wrestler do you foresee being considered the biggest star of the 2020s and why? MGF. Boom. There you go. Yes, yeah, probably got to be MGF. I mean, the guy in 2022 alone has worked the two best feuds of the year, and he has sort of become the discourse of the year, best promos of the year. He's always had it in ring, but he's had his best in ring year. Um. He's the most fascinating, compelling guy week to week. I've said this all of the time. It's such a gift that he has. It's You need to be more than a week-to-week great in-ring worker. The um, paradigm has indeed shifted from the work rate era, if you like, of the last 2010s. And we're now firmly in a TV-centric business. And there's no one other than MGF who makes it impossible to not be into what he's doing on a literal week-to-week basis. We talk a lot about ah oh, the lulls between the quarterly AEW pay-per-views and it always gets great at the end, but there's a few three or four weeks on Dynamite where it's a bit dull and you're just waiting for the pay-per-view at this point. That was never once been a problem with MGF. He's consistently fascinating, great at mystery, great at promo, great at stakes. Uh, he's just great, and it will be MGF for the, for the decade, I foresee, because it's no longer just about being in the ring. TV yeah. industry now yeah. with a new competitor, so MJF. I, I'll give you a WWE one as well, because really I think this person should be the ace of the company, like just across the board. Uh, Bianca Belair? Yep, absolutely. Um, I, every time, oh, okay, so you know, you know, various booking things over the past few years, uh, you can point to and go, hey, that wasn't great, but not necessarily our fault. Uh, what doesn't she have? She has every quality you would possibly want uh, to be the figurehead of your company. You put her in a big spot and she's going to deliver. Uh, her high-level matches have been the best in the company uh, over the past couple of years. I think the Sasha match last year was my favorite match from WWE of that year, and I think the Becky WrestleMania one this year will probably be that as well, unless something amazing happens in this Triple H era, which it might. Uh, she can talk. She's extremely extremely likable she has gifts in the ring that very few other people have in terms of her power and her explosion um she's uh you know you you might look at her and go she's not the absolute best wrestler in in the company but she's a very very great wrestler um someone who has improved a lot with time as well i think she is would be a great ambassador because she's uh like i say she's extremely likable you could put her on a talk show you could put her on a billboard I think the sky's the limit. She should have no limit to her push. I think she's a better WWE wrestler than virtually everyone in that company because if you yeah. look at like 
style. The style and what that fan base really likes. Like, we were talking about this earlier in the week. They didn't like Ziggler versus Gable. I love Chad Gable. I think he's probably the best actual wrestler in that company. But that fan base wants explosions. They want feats of strength. They want these incredibly broad moments. And that's not to undermine Bianca as someone who doesn't know her craft. I think she's just better at emphasizing those moments within the body of a match that actual wrestling fans can get a lot out of as well. Mm. I think she's so smart at what she does. She gets... She intersects the wrestling and sports entertainment audience better than literally anyone in WWE right now. She is sensational. Yeah, she's the best. Our mate's been on. We've got, a, we've got one here from Hollywood Hangman Adam Pierce. Oh, what a guy. Brackets parody line WP at Backup Hangman, of course. Probably like, I know, like a top one follow if you're on rest on Twitter. The guy's he's exploded, like. Yeah, he's Because he's so good at tweeting. Got really great. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Cool fact: A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Before we go any further, though, this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now, we all carry around different stresses. They can be big life worries or just, you know, little things like your favorite wrestler not being used properly. The thing is, when we keep them bottled up, it really can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. It is really helpful too for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. Therapy basically empowers you to be the best version of yourself. So why not give better help a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and best of all, suited to your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash whatculture today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash whatculture. Takes just across the board. Really great, Fair. Really great face. Really great face. Handsome he's, he's man. He's a very, very handsome dude. Buries stuff when he needs to be buried, but never to the point of being an asshole. Usually sees the goods, you know, the light and stuff. He's a great follow. You should follow Backup Hangman. Oh, a wonderful Don't, turn of phrase as well. He really doesn't need us to put him over, does he? But we're here. We're doing it. What he said to him about Cody Rhodes, he's, I think he said, he tweeted earlier today, he needs to heal that titty up and cook. <laughs> <laughs> so that's just so funny. There was something the other day as well about, hey, uh, now that Triple H is back, can uh, Gunter get his titties back yeah, or something yeah. like that? I was like, wow, this rules. Uh, anyway, uh, Hanger asks, so we're best mates, obviously. Uh, Moxley being the workhorse champion, defending the title in frequent TV bangers was clearly by design and may lead to the crowd siding with him over CM Punk. In the event that Mr. Brooks is booed, how should AEW handle this? I don't know because I think the switch is coming. I think Hanger is definitely onto something there. Um, Tony Khan has got a certain pattern with his title reigns and this mocks one with the interim. I think the idea was get him over as quickly as possible in a short amount of time as possible so he's there for a credible challenger. It's pretty much exactly what um, Tony Khan did with FTR in 2020 between All Out and Full Gear. Um, that's kind of the diff. Maybe this is how you can settle Dax Harwood versus John Moxley rest- North American Wrestler of the Year debate because that run that FTR embarked on, I think they did it like right, sprint through every challenger, and then when the books go over, it's oh he had a great run. In theory, the match quality was quite uneven. He's done the same thing with Moxley, and yet the matches have been so awesome, mm-hmm. so intense, so like transformative, and like sort of the trends, and that there's not like loads of near falls and big kickouts, and he's just like a violent, clinical, intense, get-the-bloody-fight-done guy. And I think it's just 
created this massive excitement around the character because it's just such a brand new, fresh match structure. And, you know, Hamman might be right, he might have perfected it so much that he's too popular for punk. Yeah. Look, it's in Chicago. Yeah. It's in Chicago. I know that in Minneapolis, Kingston got a 50-50 reaction with punk, which was incredible because it was like, what, three months after the debut? Yeah. I think that the Chicago thing's going to make it a little bit different, but maybe other markets will react in a different way. If, in fact, there is an inkling that CM Punk is going to get booed um, at the... Oh, yeah, if he's going to get booed and Moxie's going to be at least 50-50 or the crowd favorite, what Tony Khan will do will absolutely lick his lips because he's got the best heel of the 21st century on his hands. That's what he's going to do. Like, it's he'll pivot. He'll not fight a crowd reaction. I don't think he ever has. And I think that both Khan and Punk will be like, right, great. It's going to have to happen at some point. Let's go now because I'm the best at this. Yeah. It's it's just an absolute win-win scenario with literally anything you can do with CM Punk. And I kind of hope it happens now. I I want to see him turn heel. Because I've got Moxley in this. Hangman, sorry, I've got Moxley. I think Punk is probably relishing that opportunity to turn heel, uh, as you say, at some point. Yeah, I, I, and like this gives me a chance to indulge in my own bollocks and say that... About uh, Eddie Kingston. Uh, yeah. <laughs> if he's a heel after this, or at least he's leaning into that side of his character, the asshole side of his character, the spiteful side of his character, which has always been there. Uh, yeah, it makes it more sweeter. Makes it more sweeter. Use your words, Andy. It makes it sweeter when Eddie Kingston uh, topples him and then loses the belt to uh, some heel being a dickhead a week later. It's perfect. Perfect. Perfecto. Right, uh, our next question comes from Hank McCoy, uh, who asks, Hey guys, if you were Triple H, how do you book Brock Lesnar? I think this is interesting. Yep. Uh, what are the dream matches he could have that don't need the title with uh, title matches with Roman Reigns? So yeah, Brock is such an interesting situation out of all of this because for decades... He has had Vince McMahon over a barrel. He knows that he can go into the meeting and go, hey, give me everything I want, and he will get it. Will that be the same with Triple H now that he's, you know, Brock's not the the ratings ticket-moving force he used to be, but still a very incredible spectacle athlete, as he proved at SummerSlam in that crazy stunt show. I I get the impression that we're going to see more of a textbook special attraction presentation, not necessarily with belts. It's a... It's very weird, this. I do not envy Triple H booking Brock Lesnar at all because on one hand, right, his entire aura comes from the fact that he was not only a monster in the Fed in the first place, but he's since accentuated all of that with his UFC run where he's just this cold, killer, combat athlete, mercenary who cares about the biggest purse and get the biggest purse by winning titles. He's kind of a guy who would just stand there let Paul Heyman promote the fights. Why would I watch a show, Paul? Doesn't really care about being there. That was his character for so long to the point that, yes, he was just there to win titles and get the most money, and that's what he was existed to do. Now, they have developed his character with, like, uh, farm boy Brock and the tractor mm-hmm. stuff, but he's more jolly. So both versions of the Brock character we've seen over the last decade, which makes me feel so old and wonder where the time has gone, is either doesn't care about a goddamn thing right, and a kind of a grudge rivalry never really worked. Yeah. Or now he just doesn't care about anything in a completely different way. He's so jolly that if someone was just, you know, like trying to get in his head rent-free or whatever WWE verbiage they use, could I take that seriously by the same token or is he just too jolly? I just, whichever way you slice it, I can't imagine Brock Lesnar being in this really intense three-month grudge program, sure. you know? Yeah. I just don't think it works without a title. I just don't think he's got... There are certain wrestlers who are so good at grudge programs. Eddie Kingston, Taz. They are the absolute people you want on a grudge program because they could miss a bus and cut a promo. Yeah, and the driver right? would be dead. Yeah. Verbally dead. Like, really short fuses, yeah. really petty, pissy grudges, and they're perfect for wrestling. Perfect for weekly episodic TV wrestling. Like, in a way, Lesnar's the antithesis to that. Yeah. So I don't envy Triple H at all. And honestly, I have no answer. And add a, like, as, like, a, another difficult layer to this is that you can always tell when Brock Lesnar doesn't give a damn about a program that he's working. Dean Ambrose, you know, they're a constant, uh, they're a bunch more. Um, so it's, th- like, motivating that guy to deliver when he's not necessarily going to be the spotlight bloke is uh, another very interesting challenge yeah, that definitely. faces Triple H. As far as people I'd like to see him face goes, man, like, I'd love to see Cody Rhodes doing his theatrical selling. For yes, him. Like, yes. Like, his emoting, 
like if you can capture even a smidgen of the sense of just punishment that he had in the 10 lashes segment in AEW uh, in the ring uh, that that could be a magic pairing that's a great awesome. take that could be great pantomime as well I'd love that uh, right Adam Smith has been on I know another guy called Adam Smith but that's a different bloke there's loads of them there is there's a few uh, it's literally the guy who's uh, it's a Smith. Yeah. There's a building at Aberdeen Halls of Residence uh, called Adam Smith House. So there you go. Named after the economist guy. Possibly the most famous Judeo-Christian forename and the most common surname. There you go. So everyone will know an Adam Smith. I love it. Andrew, Andy Murray is quite common as well, as we learned. So anyone who has like two kind of widely circulated names. Why are you on this podcast yeah. when you should be playing tennis? <laughs> I was a walk culture employee about one year into my tenure here. I moved down. I'd been here for about a year. Who had also been in the office for about a year. Who one day I was playing pool with uh, our former colleague Rich Hudson. I walked up to Adam Wilborn and went, "Your man, do you know his name's Andy Murray?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, mate. I've been here a year. It's uh, I don't hear that joke every day. Anyway, Adam Smith asks There's a bunch of questions about the trios tournament, so I picked this one. Uh, given what's happened between Hangman <clears throat> and the Bucks on Dynamite this week, by the way, if you want to know our thoughts on that, check the podcast feed. We did the review. It was good. Uh, do you see a Dark Order versus Elite Final for All Out? As part of the Elite Saga, it works. But Dark Order beating House of Black seems a stretch. We'd love your thoughts on this and the tournament as a whole. Well, we know House of Black, if you look at the, the various converging narrative directions, we know House of Black aren't making the title of the, to- uh, the final of the tournament because they are presumably, otherwise the last however many weeks of time have been wasted, they are destined for Derby, Miro, and Sting. And that match should rule, right? Yeah. So for that to happen and for both teams to remain um, strong so that it feels unpredictable and worth your money and dramatic and all these things, they're, Tony Khan's probably going to have to do the North American wrestling promoter thing and have Miro or someone, like, interfere on behalf of the Dark Order, and that's how you get Dark Order out, uh, uh, House of Black out the tournament and into the match. I just feel like there are certain times you have to do the cliched American wrestling promoter thing, and this is going to be one of them. I just hope that it isn't Miro... Actually, is Miro the kind of guy who, out of nowhere, could just decide to be a dick and interfere and he still wouldn't resent him as some geek who's being an arsehole? Yeah, he's, like, I think one of the best TV guys uh, in the United States, by extension, the world. So, um, And I think he is a guy who does a really good job of retaining goodwill. So So even if he interferes without another attack from the House of Black, it'll be fine because it's Miro and he can get away with it. Yeah. So that's the way I can see it. On the other side of the bracket, it's not going to be... The thing is, it could be the Elite versus another team, but it's not going to be the Dark Order versus another team, if that makes sense. Mm, yeah. Um. So, yeah, I think it will be the Elite by way of the first Kenny Omega versus Will Ospreay interaction. Oh, boy, boy, boy. That's... It, it's it, This championship is very much synonymous at this point with Kenny Omega. It's his idea. Um, he said he was the guy to announce it on the cruise before the pandemic stopped it. He's the guy who they were waiting to come back to be able to actually launch the titles. So I expect he will have a very big creative hand in how they are booked, much like his fingerprints were all over those tag team titles in 2020 yeah. when they experienced the best year because Kenny Omega's a goddamn genius. So 17th not, best wrestler in the world. Shut up, man. <laughs> so it would not surprise me one iota if Kenny who, as we saw with what I used to call the elegant spider web in 2021, um, he likes to do loads of different things at once. It would not surprise me one bit if that bracket has been arranged by him, if he's just been given the book for this entire title, and he wants the first Omega Osprey interaction. One so good that'll make you beg for the singles match. Yeah. They've um, done such a good job in interviews and stuff. Yeah. Calling each other, see it's you next so, Tuesday. It's the t shirt, man. Yeah. He made a t shirt on behalf of. Osprey specifically so they could not sell it after three days. Yeah. It's just so creative. So I think we're going to get the first glimpse of Omega Osprey on the way to the Dark Order final where you can do loads of elite stuff. It's just got Kenny's genius fingerprints all over it. I heard the best description of uh, Will Osprey's gimmick the other day. Um, this is so perfect. A 
can't remember who said it. I want to give them credit. He is a drunk, obnoxious, ignorant British tourist on holiday who is also a Paul brother. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Which I think is a lot more appropriate than the Conor McGregor stuff he was doing uh, previously in this run. Yeah. Uh, I agree. I think that the the rich character dynamic between Kenny Omega, Hangman Adam Page, and the Young Bucks is far too delicious to not explore. Uh, and this tournament with the potential for Hangman subbing in or seconding uh, the Dark Order, if someone, whatever, uh, it's, it, it gives them the perfect opportunity to do it within the next few weeks. And I think they should do that. Uh, and the melodramatic stuff is not to my sensibilities, but it is to 99% of the audience's sensibilities, and it will draw immense acclaim, and it will go down as some of the best stuff AEW has done, if not all year, in its lifespan. They spent five years working towards this stuff. I think that's what they should do, and if that means, unfortunately, that you have to do a little distraction or whatever for the House of Black, who I love as well, uh, so be it. Um, do wish that right hand side of the tournament was just a little bit beefier. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, I uh, like the best friends, uh, the trust busters. If you want to know what we think about them, check out the review podcast. Yeah. Um, I think yeah. that side could be a little bit more interesting, but hey, Adam Cole and Kyle O'Reilly are injured, you can't put them in, I guess. Uh, here we go, right? Uh, Days Rebel with our second last question here on the QA pod. Um, what do you see as Cody's role when he returns now that Cross is in the title picture and Triple H is head of creative? This is f- fascinating. I'm yes. so glad to be able to use the word fascinating in WWE in the same goddamn thing. Is he going to face the feed? Oh, my God. <laughs> I say that for like Schadenfreude, oh, my God. <laughs> Look, it's uh, Vince McMahon's got this thing right. And it's if you treat him a bit badly or be a bit alpha. He hates a meek guy. He hates him, right? So if you look at who's been pushed recently under Vince's uh, thing, Riddle couldn't care less about anything, calling out Lesnar and Goldberg out the ass. I think Vince actually respects that and has kind of pushed him. Randy Orton, he's always been this aloof, will speak his mind guy. He's not really a mark for it. He always gets a push. Um, Roman has always just been his guy. Lesnar... Cody, by going away and burying WWE for, what, five years, is getting a much bigger push than people who've been slaves to the brand and, you know, all the rest of it. Because Vince respects a backbone. He just did. Yep. It's it's weird, like, abandonment thing. Um, does Triple H do that? Or is he more petty? Because Vince is great for business, and he does. Res- he used to respect the backbone. I don't want to put him over, but I'm just saying that this is his genuine outlook from Triple what I've H, inferred. An extremely insecure man oh, that's throughout the thing, his yeah. career. Will you have forgotten the throne getting smashed? This is it. This is it. I, this is so interesting, this whole situation. There is stuff where I think, um, was it the birth of Cody's daughter, Triple H texted him, yeah. and maybe a vice versa after the cardiac yeah. event. But, you know... Like, maybe the still waters run deep, and yeah, maybe in the back of his mind, he's thinking, Oh, I could do you here. I've yeah. got the power to do you for double and Stardust is back, baby. Yeah. Yeah. It'll, man. Be, more, it'll be more. Oh, God. It's yeah, really it's, it's fascinating. It really is. Will he do what's best for business, you'd imagine? Yeah. You'd like to think, yeah. You'd love to be the uh, optimist in this new era of WWE, however. However, Triple right. H is Triple H. Someone, it's a dirty job, but someone's got to do it. Someone's going to be the goddamn cynic. I think Triple H is going to try and fuck on Cody Rhodes. <laughs> I, I do, I do. He's a, like, the thing is, when you reach a certain age, your disposition and your personality and your habits, they just get yet more and more ingrained. Yeah. Yeah. Not, you literally don't get any younger. You get older, and I just, He's always been a petty twat. <laughs> he, ha- he has. He's yeah, always been has. a savvy, political, petty twat who would rather, nine times out of ten, look good than make anyone else look good. And he doesn't really forget things. And, yeah. That said, I could see Cross versus Cody being the raw title program for WrestleMania. Jesus sure. Christ. Amidst reports of USA Network wanting a top title back on, I guess. Uh, Cody would be kind of cool on USA Network with that wonderful tattoo of his holding the belt. Yeah. Beat everybody. Oh, him and AJ, that'd be good, wouldn't it? Mm. Anyway, 
Uh, hope that answers your question, but this is a really, we could, I mean, we could do 20 minutes on that alone, I feel. Right, our final question of the day, bit of a banter question for the end. Uh, there's no alligators, so you can rest easy. There's no eels either. This is from uh, Haley at Barrow of Dirt. Uh, who has the following for us? I asked, Mr's w- I asked Mr's Wilborn in Hamlet last week about what cereals wrestlers would eat. Uh, which wrestlers would eat what cereals, basically? Yeah. You can tell where this is going. Yeah. I love it. But as we have the master of the cocktail on, uh, what cocktails slash mocktails would which wrestlers drink? Interesting. Oh, it is an interesting question. Sour House Hobbs drinking his Amaretto Sour. That's terrible. That is terrible. I should be off. Of, I'm going to click stop on this recording right now. That is terrible. Ricky Starks looks to me like a guy who would appreciate a good cocktail. Mm, very classy. Very classy. Um, oh, I think Ricky Starks would like a uh, an old-fashioned or, nice. or a Manhattan. All right. Refined. Where it's like he's very classic sensibilities. He's full of 80s baby face fire. He does enough modern stuff in his work because he's savvy enough to realize it gets over. But, like, he's structurally pretty refined fundamental guy so i think you go for an old-fashioned i like it maybe a vodka martini even i just think um, he oozes class so he's not really going to go for a pina colada or a gimmicky drink or there are certain cocktails like your sex on the beach and all the rest of it where it's all very fruity and it's all like ornamental in terms of the presentation and really you can't taste the liquor yeah yeah you you need to be able to taste (laughs) the liquor right and i just think stocks oozes the kind of class where i think he could have uh What's, uh, it's not whiskey. What's like the really old man cognac? <laughs> yes. I think you'll have a cognac-based cocktail with Ricky. I got one for you. I, I'm I'm a noob to the con- cocktail world. I almost said content world. I'm not a noob to that. Love the content. Master of that. Yeah, the king. Well, no, you're the king. I'm the god. There we yes. Go. <laughs> anyway. Uh, I'm a noob to all this. I like a whiskey sour. I like an amaretto sour. I like an old fashioned. Um, Do you do the egg white for your amaretto sour? I, I've never made one myself. All right. is the thing, so I could not tell you, my friend. Um, but I like all that stuff. I like the kind of an egg white is really cool to oh. put in because it just gets the froth on the top, and it's a totally flavorless thing. Ah, and all different. you have to do is like just you can't get any uh, actual yolk in there. No. So do your best to separate. And then just pour the actual white into the other, like your liquor and whatever things you've got in there. And then you shake it up and it go. just creates lovely foam on the top. So it's a lovely textural sensation and it's flavorless. Don't be scared because it's egg. Yeah. Egg. Because when I have an egg white, ugh, you get like images of like Rocky and stuff like that. Yeah. But no, no, it's just a lovely foam on the top and it's beautiful texturally and aesthetically. Next time I'm out at the cocktail bar, I will ask, hey, does this have an egg in it? If not, you have to put one in. Put one in. Uh, Mother Mercy in Newcastle. Check it out. It's very good. Um, so yeah, I'm a noob to this whole world. I don't really... I've had a bunch of cocktails that I really like that I just haven't remembered the name of because they've been like in-house specials yeah. um, with like funny names and stuff. You know, you go to these places and they have all these like... The entire menu is stuff that they've made up, but they'll do the traditional ones if you ask, obviously. But when you're like me and you don't really know what the traditional ones are, you go... Eh, what do I do? Either way, um, when I was uh, living with a couple of my mates just after university, I came up with a cocktail called the Murray Mix. The Murray Mix was three shots of whiskey and three shots of amaretto in a pint glass. (laughs) (laughs) We drank it one night before going out, and uh, we were watching a football game, 45 minutes a half. By the first half, I was gone with the fairies. Who, in your opinion, is most likely to enjoy the Murray Mix on a night out? Who's the, mental? The Murray Mix. Uh, don't do this, by the way. Drink responsibly and don't do this. Because, oh, no, it's not good. Um, I think it's like... Who's, like, really giddy and upper height and could do with calming down a little bit and is very impulsive and makes mistakes and... Logan Paul. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there we go. He's impulsive. My love of cocktails developed during lockdown. And because uh, I never used to like drinking in the house, just didn't like it. And that principally is because I was always like a beer guy. And uh, I used to, hey, I've got rubbish bladder. So for me, when you're out and you're, you're buzzing and all pisser. the rest of it. You're a mean pisser. And like when you're out and all the rest of it, it's easier to contain your bladder and whatever. When you sat in the house to keep going to the loo and it's just oh, it's a waste of time drinking. I'm not having fun. 
So if you have a short measure where you can really taste the liquor and you're not so you're pummeling at loads of beer just sat in one place, it's just never appealed to me that, unless you're in a pub. So if you have a really strong cocktail, you can really taste the liquor, and you can just get a buzz on after about five minutes and you don't need a piss, it's like, it's the, oh my God. It's magic. It's magic. Dark and stormy. I like a dark and stormy. It's rum and some other stuff. I never. I don't know anything about these things. It's my wife's birthday. Happy birthday, Mrs. Sidgwick. So uh, she really fell in love with a cocktail on her own creek called a guarapita. Ooh. So I've got like a nice sort of like basket and literally all the ingredients needed for that. So, got, so it's like dark rum, contro, um, spoonful of brown sugar. Like there was an orange and passion fruit puree. But I got a compote because the jam's good in a cocktail as well, you know. Oh, wow. Pineapple juice, a bit of mint to flourish, a bit of lime. There you go. Quite an elaborate one. There you go. Wow. Cocktails. That's what you tune in for. That's what we're here for. We also made another one when I had that same friend group. You can see a pattern emerging here. Love you guys. Uh, The Listerine Dream. Because one day we learned that former Sunderland football manager Peter Reid famously used to use Listerine, a mouthwash, as a mixer for his alcohol. So we uh, tried that. What's it like? Well, I'm still here. That's the best thing I can possibly say about it. Anyway, thank you so much for sending in all your questions today. We really much appreciate it. We will try and do another one of these whenever we can, whenever it's possible. This will be going out on Friday. Uh, You know that because it's Friday and you're listening to it. So this is a really good outro. Anyway, uh, remember, you can follow us all over the place. These podcasts are available on any podcast app you can think of. Go on Spotify, click your little follow button. Hey, that's got notifications too. We're not going to complain about that. It's awesome. Uh, Yeah, follow us on Twitter. At what culture WWE, you can send us all kinds of malarkey from there. You can follow Michael Sidgwick on Twitter at M Sidgwick had a great tweet in day to day. Oh, baby, baby. Very you good can, tweets, very good insights. You can follow me on Twitter at Andy H. Murray. The H stands for, hey, I've got none of that insight, but I will occasionally tweet about a band I like and it'll get five likes because no one cares. Yeah. That's me, that's me on Twitter, baby. Hey, but if only one person checks it out, that's a job well done. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, we'll be back on Tuesday. We have a few days off. We'll see you then. Bye for now. Yes. Mm. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.